0: Welcome to Within the Musician Podcast. This show is a place of discovery for all students, performers, educators, and future educators. My name is Monica Williams. I'm a flutist, teaching artist, recording artist, performer, and lifelong learner. Join me this week as we discuss a very interesting topic. On this show, I usually just have one guest at a time, but today I have two other private music teachers. Let me say first, this episode was only planned a couple of days ago after lots of thought on my part about the events and difficulties and the, the rewarding experiences that happened out of conversations that happened with students in 2020. And, you know, the final kicker was last week with the siege of the building, and now we have the inauguration. And like many teachers on that day, I was teaching students during as it developed and there was questions. And this happens as well with the Black Lives Matter protests, the heated election and the ongoing developments of COVID. The isolation students felt, cancellation of graduations, canceled concerts, canceled vacations, canceled lots of things and the challenges with virtual school learning that students were facing. As private music instructors, we have a really unique position. Our instruction is completely individualized. As creative instructors, we teach the whole musician, which is more than tone, technique, rhythm, or theory. It's a major part of it, but often our job is to find out how a student's week went. What challenges did they have during that week? What breakthroughs musically did they have that week? How are they enjoying or connecting to the music? And how can we help them strategize so next week is better? With all this going on, it's nearly impossible to avoid the conversations with some students, especially the older ones. It would be like avoiding an elephant in the room if I just went on to have a student play scales without addressing how they were and how their week was, and we have to take into factors of how the world is. As private instructors, we may be the only adults that get that one-on-one time with them outside of their parents. Back on episode two, the two Students Tell All, I had many of my students come on the podcast and voice their feelings. They all thought their teachers were awesome, but they felt less seen and heard. They felt often like they were just a square on Zoom. Some of them thought that their teachers might not even recognize them outside of class if they were on the street and didn't know even how to say their name correctly. So the purpose of today's episode is to have a discussion with other teachers about how we can have some of these conversations. It's kind of like there's an art to conversation as well and we're all creative thinkers. We want to investigate how much of our personal views to share with students because we want free thinkers. We also want students that have a really high ethics and feel secure. So we're going to share some stories about this time and come up with ideas on how we can better help students to use music to overcome these difficult times and investigate ways that we can even become better teachers as we go through and navigate these uncharted times. So I am going to have the two teachers that I brought on introduce themselves. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you teach, what you teach, and anything that you feel pertinent. Stephen, you want to go first?
1: Sure. Uh, So my name is Stephen Evans, and I am a uh, cello and piano teacher. I work at the Center for Community Arts in Walnut Creek, California. And I've been teaching, I think, 35 or 40 years now. So it's been a while. Um, And, um, you know, with as regards to my teaching style, I like to keep things very fun and lighthearted. But I also believe that there's a lot to be gained with, you know, working hard. So I try to Get the students interested in working to a, achieve uh, a goal, um, whether that be, you know, they want to do a certificate kind of program, something like that, or if they just want to, you know, get better at their instrument, you know. And, and I'm always um, looking at, at what does this particular student need? You know, yeah. what, do they, what do they want to work on? You know, I
0: love that. That's the individual thing. And, and, yeah. and, I think a sense of accomplishment and a sense of um, growth during this period where like every day is like the same as what we students say, like every day bleeds into one another. And so if you can measure your, your success with those certificate programs and recitals and stuff, I think that helps the mindset as well. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Irina, tell us about yourself.
2: Hi guys. Um, my name is uh, Irina McGill, and I was born in Russia, and I graduated from Moscow Conservatory playing violin and piano, and um, after that, I was invited by one of the universities in the United States to do the master's degree, so I moved to United States about, uh, let's say, 13-ish years ago, and ended up being in Chicago, So which is really, really snowing today, so <laughs> it's, it's very different, I guess, from California right now, so. It's, um, yeah, it's a very snowy day today, so very white. That's probably some kids, speaking of kids, right? So they're really, really uh, was waiting for the snow today. Um, I taught for, have been teaching for many years, probably around 20-ish something years, and I teach both violin and piano. I have a studio in Chicago um, as well as I'm a founder and owner of, uh, of the I Play Music School that's based in Chicago. But we also obviously offering lots of uh, lessons online. So we have different teachers, we have different instruments. So um, I have to manage not only myself, not only my studio directly, but also lots of other children that belong to the school and to other teachers and to speak to them and to... Um, Basically, be a little bit more open and more um, wide (laughs) with variety of uh, the problems that we face right now.
0: Awesome. So, Irina, so are you? Your your difference than region than we are. California is very much on lockdown. Um, Are you teaching in person yet, or is it all online? And your teachers that since you work at a school.
2: So basically, we are allowed to teach in person. Uh, personally I didn't switch back so the, the difference be- between me and other teachers probably was in general because my studio exists in about uh for about 10 years in Chicago and most of my students are with me for all this time so some of my students being five and a half right now wearing you know growing mustaches and dating other girls so <laughs> they're a uh, lot close to 16 right now so I've been with them for a long time and um the idea is that switching to online for them with knowing me and us knowing each other in our style, right? My style of teaching. So I was not so different and so difficult for them, but um, yeah, so lots of teachers prefer to teach in person and thanks God we actually allowed to do that. But I always ask Parents and I always ask my teachers if they feel comfortable about this. Mm-hmm. But yes, we can do that. So some people they teach in person already here in Chicago. So I personally did not go back to um, uh, to in person teaching yet.
0: Yes, you bring up a good point, Irene. this is something that I had thought of too is that we often have an ongoing relationship with students for many, many years, right? So that um they're it's not new to them. It's not like this year when they started their virtual learning in school, a lot of the they don't even know their teachers. I mean they've never seen them in person. So I think there is a connection that's maybe a little stronger with Private teachers that have had long engagements with students versus people that are just getting new students through the school programs, because I feel like I have a very strong connection. That's kind of what you're saying is there's a long, a strong connection. So the Internet online thing is a little bit of an easier transition and it's working a lot better than I thought. If you asked me eight months ago, nine, 10 months ago now, oh gosh, 10 months ago, if this would work, I think I would have like, you know, th- said you're crazy, but um, it really has. It really has for the, for the online working. So my next question is about COVID. So, I mean, it's dominating the the news and that, you know, we're, we're all in here. Personally, I've, you know, we had some conversations with students. You don't want to focus on, on that, but it's hard to ignore, as I said, um, the the fact that we are going through this pandemic. Has any of your students expressed fear or concern, and were you able to reassure them in any way? Stephen?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a, a really valid thing. I, I definitely have noticed with some students as we've gone along, you know, we're in what, the ninth month of this, you know, that that it's it, there's a fatigue with, you know, and when will we ever be able to get back to this and et cetera. Um, and, and that's definitely draining. So I do have conversations with students about it. Basically, I just try to come from, look, hang in there, you know, someday soon we're going to get back to it. Um, I've also been doing a lot of, of you know, kind of, I guess, confidence building, just trying to keep them, you know, look, music is what we can work on. Music is what can kind of help us through this. Music is very consoling a lot of times. And so I think it's really, really good to keep them at that. And then I noticed with them, so I have a a cello ensemble and we have been allowed to meet in person. And many of my students have said, of course. Yes. Yeah, I yes. It's outdoors. It's and we're we're one of the difficulties is we're very far apart. You know, we have to keep the minimum six feet between each other, so it can the ensemble can get a little sketchy sometimes. But every student that I've talked to about it says that's my one social activity for the week, and they they are so excited to go there, and I I love that. You know that they're they're able to really feel that enthusiasm for it. you know mm-hmm. it's something that you know something like that needs anyway and when they've got it and it's this, this is my one time out today you know then they they they're really happy to be there so that's that's been a good a positive thing on the other hand i have had lots of students saying things like you know i'm losing sleep or i sleep at funny hours because i don't i, I can basically stay in my bed and do my classes through school you know so there's definitely a, a kind of a I don't know what the word would be, but it's it's a little bit starting to go to a dangerous territory, I think, where, you know, where's your where's your will to live and enthusiasm and things. So I always try to with those students, I try to just, you know, help them uh maybe cheer up is the best way I could say it,
0: you know? And you said something that resonated with me and it it reminded me of a conversation I had on an earlier episode with um, a mental health professional, Tony Osweekan. And she's, we were talking about the uncertainty of this whole thing. And she mentions that just having, focusing on the things that you can control is very helpful to your mental health because there's so much we can't control. There's so much we can't control, but you can control when you pull up an instrument and use that as an experience to help soothe yourself. You can control your progress on it. You can, you know, have that in your life. That's something that's not necessarily taken away right now. Cause a lot was taken away from, from students at this time, at least uh, temporarily. So that, that, that resonates with me. Yeah. Um, Irina, what's your thoughts on this?
2: Well, I agree with lots of things that you guys saying. It just um, maybe because in Chicago we're not so much strict so badly, and lots of schools continue um, at least maybe partially online um, in person. So not all of the kids were really distanced so so much, but yes, um, I had I had several kids that either completely had to stop taking music lessons because of the amount of time they spend online. And that, unfortunately, goes mostly to the younger children that just starting. Just to start online right away was not so, no, was not so easy for some of them. Right, just to start music lessons. But at the same time, even kids that were in music in person and had to switch, especially at the very beginning, at the very beginning of this pandemic, when it's, it's went from normal, as we used to say, right, to normal life, to completely over-the-screen life. And for little children to go from maybe sometimes allowed to have 30 minutes of cartoons or some other stuff, games, Uh, on the screen to eight hours and to add to that right away the another activity like music lessons even though we really like it that we actually can do that online right so lots of things kids had to cut off completely like soccer team or baseball or some other sports or other activities so we're very lucky that we can get to do that with, with kids, who still continue to teach them. Some kids could not do that really well, right? So they could not manage that. Some kids that stayed and continue to do online lessons, yes, they, they were saying, well, we already spent eight hours on the screen. We're already looking at the teacher. We're already trying to do, it. it's difficult. So what I usually say, yes, guys, I know it's difficult times right now. I don't think it's easy to anyone, Adult or a child or anyone, right? Or elderly people that cannot even leave their house right now for anything. They shouldn't because it's kind of dangerous to even go to the grocery store right now. So, but think of at the same time how music can help you. What's happening in between the lessons, in between the screen time that we have? You have to practice, right without practicing we cannot get too far away so it's it's probably you will be you know getting better a little by, but this really going to be little by little so without practicing the the without the effort we're not go so far so what's happening when you practice do you use the screen no this is the activity That's that's something that is no screen time. Something that you can use to actually switch from the screen to something non-screen, not online. Something that you can do as if you're in person, right? So that's something that should, and I think it helps through through these times for all my students.
0: Yeah, completely agree. And to your point that, you know, that, There is, it's true that you have a half hour, 45 minutes, hour, whatever you have, but it's a very different experience than I think some of their virtual learning that is a big fatigue right now because it's one-on-one because they can ask questions at any time rather than having to put in the chat box or like, you know, or, you know, it's a different experience. I think school in person and, you know, when I'm talking about like all grades that, you know, when you can see other kids, you can pass notes, you can raise your hands. As my student said in the virtual class that, you know, she could, run into our teachers at lunch and ask questions that way. And it's a completely different experience because of those interactions where what we're doing privately is literally just a back and forth response. And to your point, I love that, Irina, that that there is a whole seven days between now and then. And it's true. There's not a whole lot that you can do that's non-virtual music. However, you know, you can use some technology to help, but um, is is very individualized, personalized away from the screen. So that's a good point to parents, because I think that that there is a fear of starting anything new, especially online, when the students have so much. And I get it. I totally get it. But that's another viewpoint, another way to kind of look at the situation as you're looking for activities to help with the mental health of your, your kids is just including something that's artistic, you know, and that could be, I mean, I private lessons work great. Some of my students are doing great artwork, you know, like art lessons. That's also helpful. Dance, you know, any of those things and any of the arts essentially to help with that. Um, uh, One thing that I tell my students is we're trying to navigate the isolation is is to use music as part of their mental health routine and something physical. So something physical, something artistic to help with your day. And I've, I've, you know, I think that at least for me, my students, there is COVID fatigue and there's just like, I'm, I'm hearing lots of things like, you know, I'm so tired. Like you mentioned, Steven sleeping at, you know, kind of erratic hours. Um, And I'm just trying to get students. One of the things I did is just to have a practicing streak for 2021, meaning I don't care how long you practice, just connect with your instrument, do something with it so that you have a connection to that artistic thing. And for where I do flute, so it's breathing, right? So it could just literally be a long tone exercise where you're breathing into the flute and using it as a breath awareness and connecting to the sounds. And if that's all you feel like doing afterwards, you've, you've done something. Hopefully you'll be inspired to like, you know, practice a little bit more, but the idea of just using it as a mental health, um, aspect, I think, because it is, it's a hard time. And I think as we go, at least me personally, as we get into month 10, I've noticed more of that this last month. It's just this like really fatigue. I think that at least in California, we were thinking that January, mid-January students would be getting back to school. And I think my students have just realized that they may not be going back. You know, we, we don't know. We don't know. They might not be going back. Seniors this year, might not be having prom again. You know, we don't know, you know, it's not like they can plan for that. Uh, their senior projects in which they usually get mentorships has to be done completely online. You know, that the, there's things that we didn't think would be really happening. I didn't think would be happening at this point. And it's now a realization as we hit a new year, 2021, that that might be a realization. So let's talk about 2021. I love this. As I think about this idea, I was um, at the end of the year, teaching online. And I uh, told a student like, you know, just next week, I'll see you next year. It'll be 2021. Isn't that great? We're 2020 is behind us. And she said, I hate to burst your bubble, but nothing is going to be different next week. <laughs> I was like, Oh, you, oh you're kind of right. But like, could we like imagine this? And then of course, January 6th happened. And I was teaching that day, the siege on the Capitol. I'm like, are you kidding me? Six days into 2021. And there's, you know, Craziness. I remember I was like literally teaching that day as a student, and they were checking in. Have you heard what's going on? Have you seen this? And and it was of course you have to talk about it because they're they're bringing it up. That's part of private teaching, right? And so you do you do try and incorporate it into a little bit musically, but in trying to reassure them that everything is fine. We're not, you know, civil war is not imminent, as one of my students was like, you know, suggesting. Um, how do you handle the the the? Let's talk about the political climate. The political climate. Um, Black Lives Matter also was teaching the, the, a lot of those times. Um, is there in the conversations, especially? I'm thinking my high school students and adult students do, but high school students, um, you know, do you include those into your teaching and why or why not? Arena, you want to go on this one? Thoughts on this?
2: Sure. Um, Well, I'm not so big on politics so Mm -hmm. much, right? So as a music teacher, I'm trying to concentrate on music mostly. And if my students try to maybe start conversation like that. So I feel they have already a lot, a lot of that on TV, a lot of that around, a lot of that online, a lot of that with their peers, right? They talk about that themselves and I try not to, Maybe we go too much into that, except for, as you said, right, Monica, that I like the point that you just want to reassure that it's going to be all right. I guess that's something that I would tell them, guys, it's going to be all right. We're going to be fine. It's 2021 and we will be fine. So we will get through that. The country or the entire universe is now is getting through the stage where it's the world pandemic that we we faced unexpectedly. No, I didn't believe that's going to happen. Right at the uh, really end of um, last February, I went just for a couple of days to Florida. And I remember standing there in the beach and thinking, no, 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 it's not going to be like that. They're going to figure something out. It's not, it's, guess what? Like a couple of days later, just all was locked out completely, right? So the same here, we, we, Probably we're not prepared for some of the things that happen. But I try not to go too far with conversation with students about that. So I try to think this way, that politics, most of the time, they try to separate people's views, to separate people from each other. Rather than music, we should use to unify people, Uh to bring them together, to think as one whole. It doesn't matter where you live. You live in Japan, or you live in Russia, or you live in the United States. Music can bring us together. Music can be something that actually unifies us as the whole, as the universe. And for that reason, one of the reasons why in I Play Music School, we're actually offering lessons in different languages, which hmm. I think is something that um, um, support my opinion about uh, bringing people together and unify them so we offer lessons in spanish we offer lessons in Japan, japanese in chinese in russian in ukrainian and polish so you want to learn how to sing in spanish right away no problem you want to take a cello lesson in chinese no problem right so that's i think even getting even broader the idea of bringing people together through the music and to help all of us to get through all those difficult times.
0: Yeah. And I love the, first of all, it's, it's awesome that you offer lessons in so many instruments. And by the way, if, if you're interested in, and um, in learning more about Irina or Steven, I'm going to link their websites in the episode notes. So feel free to check that out if you don't have a pencil and paper right now. Um, but um, when it's one thing you said about the universal language, that's, I love that idea. I, 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 I sometimes tell my students that, you know, uh, when the spaceship was up and they were looking for extra life, they put mathematics and music on board, in the case they encountered a foreign, you know, alien, so that they can communicate, because it is a communication. So I love the idea that music is a universal language and to unite people. But that's a conversation in and of itself, which is that polit- politics divide. I mean, I think that's a beautiful way of bringing in conversation. Politics divide and music is to unite and there's a lot that's hard right now but you know we're going to use our music and work on bringing unison into the world rather than division and you know that so that's a great way of you know not bringing your own personal views into it but but still acknowledging and i think that that's the point acknowledging that there's a situation in the world and and how to bring it about. I think that's beautiful, Irina. Stephen, what do you think?
1: Uh, I, I love it. And um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Irina mean, it made me think of uh, a conductor that I had worked with years and years and years ago um, in an orchestra, and he used to say this uh, sort of preface to every rehearsal was, what other occupation would you find 75 people come together in order to agree upon something? We're going to set aside all of our sort of personal differences and things, but we're going to make music and the music will unify us. And the best music is when, and, and we know this as orchestra players, the best music making is when we're really all there in the same page. You know, we're all whatever piece we're playing, we're playing it so beautifully that we love it. And um, I'm, I think I'm very similar to what Irina said about uh, politics. I try not to, like, I don't start a conversation on that, but I will definitely talk with a student about it. And I feel like, you know, the students sometimes need to just get a, a, an opinion about it or they need to get, uh, and I think it, 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 right now, it's very important for them to get a reassurance that, you know, it's going to be okay. And I think sometimes I use, you know, I grew up during like Watergate and all these upheavals that were happening back in the seventies. And I think uh, I'll tell them about that and say, you know, look, we survived that. Yeah. You know, it's not pretty when it's happening and it gets chaotic and there's all this stuff flying around. And sometimes you don't even know what to believe. You know, there's news report about this and then about this and about this. And so I tell them just, somehow disengage a little bit from it and try to take a step back before you freak out, you know? Mm. And the other thing that I've been doing is I've been um, uh, with my cello students, I've been telling them, look, you all know Bach cello suites, play one. It'll help you. You know, play a Bach cello suite, it'll calm you down. And it's really like, Monica, what you were saying, it's that music mental therapy, you know, that you can really, really help yourself and your mental state, by, by playing, um, mm-hmm. with, with some of my students too, I'm, I'm always trying to be sensitive to the fact that their parents may have political viewpoints that they're telling the kids. So I'm not trying to, you know, say, raise my own flag with mm-hmm. with my students and say, you know, this is how you should believe, but rather I try to, you know, just kind of help them out, um, and balance things, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think that uh music is such a great tool for that. You know? It is and I, yeah. I love that universality of it. And you don't you don't need to speak a particular language to appreciate Beethoven or or Mozart or anybody, you know. It's mm-hmm. there, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I like that. And you you said one thing, and this is a great point to bring up is history, because I know you're an awesome music history teacher as well, um, is that historically, there have been conflicts. And yet, we have overcome those conflicts. So I like that. I really like that idea is that's just that's just factual that there was tension. I lived through it, and it got better. And it's really hard right now, but it, it will get better. So I think that that's a a great way to bring dialogue in and probably historically you could bring, you know, music relativity. um, You can bring it in. I love that idea. Those are, those are beautiful ideas. Me personally, I don't initiate conversations too much, although they tend to come up sometimes when I just ask about how their week was. Um, I try not to interject my political voice until this last year. I put very, very little on my social media. A lot of my students follow me on social media Um, and I did put my voice in a little bit and I felt strongly about it this last year because, you know, to be honest, like Republican, Democrat, independent, I would choose another party if I could, if I could vote a different party right now. Um, but I had to say something when, you know, the George Floyd happens, you know, I put the black square on my, on my social media. Um, and I, and I, I debated that for a second because I don't want to. Take away people's free thinking. I want my students to be free thinkers. So at the same time, I wanted, I wanted everyone who supported me um, through my recorded music and my students and family and friends to know that I didn't think what was going on was okay. Um, I never believe in violence of any kind. I'm not anything like that. So I, I don't believe that you know it got way out of hand with the with the riots and protests. And I, and I let that be known too. there's never, there's never a reason for violence of anyone. Um, but it did bring a good point. I'm going to bring in to, to like the, um, there was, um, a musician that I was in youth orchestra with actually, he graduated a little bit ahead of me and was, um, study with my teacher and he put in an art an, uh, an article and it just like made me stop in my Shoes. He is now um, sitting principal in a major orchestra, and he teaches at one of the major conservatories as as one of that. And he said, "As a black man, I have to wear two different shoes, even though I've gotten to this prestige and I've done all this work. As we know, it takes so much work to get to be a principal position of a major orchestra." And he said, "I, you know, I I can wear a hoodie in the conservatory and teach." but I don't wear that same hoodie when I go into the gas station. I make sure my hands are out when I go to buy something from the clerk. I make sure my hands are always visible because these are the lessons I had to learn as I was growing up. And I was like, wow, that is amazing that there's that difference. And so I wanted to make that known that that wasn't okay. That's that's not okay, that we gotta we got to do better. And as artists, you know, we have to Acknowledge that. That's we part of the emotional connection. So I did push the black square. And in, you know, if it came up, I I did let I, I did let my viewpoints known because it's not a it to me, that's not a political issue anymore. That's a human rights issue. And we have to do better. I tried, you know, to do some music or involve some music that was um, you know, more from people of color. There's, you know, a lot of contemporary great um um, people of color works. I I did find Scott Joplin and, you know, we did some of that, you know, we tried I tried to bring in some awareness to just living and non-living, um, artists. Did you guys do anything like that? Did you find any music that you could bring into this that would kind of help students?
1: I didn't um, actually seek any out, but I did find myself, you know, sometimes directing students towards that. And I don't, I, I didn't make a connection that I'm doing this because of that, mm-hmm. but I think it was probably in the back of my mind yeah. that, you know, I want to, and and one of the things I like to do is, um, uh, you know, unearth these composers who have been neglected a little bit. And there are so many of them, you know, mm-hmm. and I find that, um, you know, with with especially with my cello students because they're all in an ensemble and they all hear each other play kind of the same pieces a lot of times they want to find their own piece this is my music that I haven't heard all of the others play Mm -hmm. and so I can I can feel like I own this this is my piece to play so I found a bunch of uh things that really fit there uh there's a fantastic um he's uh kind of a Jazz cello composer named David Baker, and I found a couple of pieces by him that were really, really good. And uh, there are also a couple of uh, for my for my uh, girl students. I like to find female composers that can. Ask you about that.
0: Good. Yes, yeah, yeah. That.
1: You know, because I think for 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 girls, especially as they're they're growing up, it's nice to know that there are some female composers out there, so that if they if, for, if they wanted to do that, they could. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it can be definitely dominated too much by Beethoven. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I love Beethoven's music. I mm-hmm. mean, it's the best. But I think sometimes, you know, students want to hear different voices and diversify. So I'm, right. I'm all for that. You know.
0: Yeah. And I think that's great that you encourage that and seek that you know to people to seek that out because it is. I mean, historically, if you look through the. The repertoire it is dominated by white men. You know, our, our living composers are mostly white men. Um, not all, but if we were to categorize that in percentages, it would be it would be pretty much like that. So it, it could be hard for a student to to find stuff that is is diversified, like you, like you said. So that's that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Um, and then I was thinking about this um, this band director I was speaking to recently. Uh, people. Composers that put it on living composers that put it on social media, just derogatory statements. I do like the fact that that some people are speaking up and not playing their works. You know, your words mean something. And, and to have students of school age, you know, playing works by someone that they could look up that said a very derogatory thing not not cool as teachers, because that's an ethics thing for for us, you know, so I do like that words are becoming accountable. I haven't encountered that, you know, where I've, 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 I've found a composer, fortunately, you know, um, um, but I, I do like that idea. That was a stance that I thought was like, wow, that's, that's pretty powerful that, you know, he loved this particular composer. And he was doing lots of works. And he just took all the programming away for for that particular composer. So your words do mean something as an artist because we have a platform as a as a recording artist and, and performer and teacher. Um, you know, I'm not famous in, in any right, but there is a platform. And, and so I do like that some artists, you know, can use that platform for the good because artists historically have been on the side of humanity, you know. Um, we don't have to be starving artists, but we are um we can relate to the fact that that there's human struggle. And if there's human struggle, I think that the empathy you know, of artists is pretty powerful that we can empathize with the, the, the people that are necessarily, that need to have recognition. And so as an artist, I felt pretty called that I needed to just not say completely silent because to me that was also making a statement, not saying words, Um, And it doesn't mean I need to have those conversations. But that was one way I I did it was on social media where it could be visible. And if anyone asked me directly, of course, age sensitive, and I I didn't give it all up, but that I'm never for violence. I am always for um, and I recognize, I recognize what's happening right now. Um, and I recognize my white privilege, you know, that there is, there's is privilege that I, that I have, I like my colleague that I, you know, went to school with something I never had to think of what I wear when I go into, you know, buy a soda. Um, so that was one way I kind of bridged that in a sensitive way without like going all out. I didn't march. I didn't, you know, do anything. of the COVID pretty much prevented that. I wouldn't have done that, but, but, um, but I still, as an artist and a teacher, acknowledged that I, I wanted to do a little something to show my, to show my, where I was, so, yeah.
1: And I think, you know, one lovely thing that that you just said, which is, is uh, very useful to apply to music is that, you know, we're struggling all the time as human beings. And we're even struggling, we get a new piece of music, uh, you know, a very difficult piece of music, and it's a struggle to perform that. And so they can use that to help them become, you know, more sensitive to other people and other people's struggles, you know? And I think that's one beautiful thing that music can do for us is it can help us link all together and see, oh, you know, this person has it a little bit worse than I do, and Therefore, I don't need to, I don't need to say anything derogatory. And Mm -hmm. I I try to make it so that, um, you know, we're not, you know, ever saying derogatory things. I just don't believe in that. I'm with you on, you know, violence is not a good thing. Uh, It's always best to work things out. Let's talk about it. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's figure something out, even if it takes a while, you know, it might, but uh, it's, it's nice to actually discuss things, you know? Yeah.
0: And to Irina's point of the universal language, it's, it's also like an emotional connection. So even without words, you know, you can express those, those, maybe for a younger student, things that don't necess they can't even necessarily articulate with words, the worries, the struggles and, and, and express that as a way of channeling again, for the mental health aspect of it. But, um, you know, that's, a lot of great artists, great works, great performances came out of struggle too, because it does trigger, um, um, something in us that, that helps us emote, and that's the language of music. It's, it's a, it's, it comes very much from the heart center. I feel there's all the technical stuff, the brain stuff, but the heart center of actually, of actually doing music. Right. So, um, one other thing I wanted to ask is just cause I think that as music teachers, we're always talking about music, and it's awesome if a student can make it to a conservatory, and that's what they want to do. Um, But as a teacher, I'm not necessarily – that's not my goal of teaching, um, is not to get a student to become a professional musician. It's more to – like you said, Steven, get confidence, free thinkers, um, you know, help with the, you know, all the development things. If there are younger students, there's lots of studies in that. Um, so when we're in this time, are there things that you can measure um, musical development outside of music? Like, is there any key things that you notice within a student? that would be like a signal that you've actually, you're actually being successful with a student. other than they got level eight or 10 on a music certificate. Like what, what other things, Irina, what you want to talk about that a little bit? Is there any other things that you can notice other than performance in a piece that would mark a student's success with music?
2: I guess um, I have lots of things to say about that. (laughs) When I teach, um, I always talk about how music helps in everyday life, how music helps in, in just a, in education itself. How is it's a part like a little puzzle part that m- brings the entire picture together. Right. So if you think about that, what is, uh, how music work works and how, what does it mean to play a musical instrument? And um, one of the studies of the, I believe it's in, from England, says that when a person plays a musical instrument, right, so what's happening in their brain, it makes both parts, both sides of the brain work simultaneously. This is such a rare condition that we're never able to experience in everyday life. What it means that development of our brain goes just a huge big deal, right? So, then another thing that brings that together to, to work uh, for the most parts of the brain to work together the mental math, which is also, I, I think, math and music are so close, right? Not even to start with some sort of like a time signature of count, and you know, we use numbers. Or if you think about the works by Bach, how it was calculated. You know, so many you know people already looked that through and found lots of different codes in there, math codes, math formulas. The same was music. Let's say Shostakovich, right? That there was lots of uh, codes that was you know the hidden into their music. So it's lots of things that are connected. Another part, probably uh, that music brings into that, and in, uh, is the medicine, right? That's how you feel your body, how you can operate, how you can put it together. So how you feel your muscles cooperate with the work of your brain and work of your ears and work of your eyes. So it's so many things that's happening with you simultaneously that cannot just go away by itself, right? It's a huge benefit to any, any human being who, who wants to learn a musical instrument. So, and, um, And we're lucky with that because lots of the parents, if not all of the parents that we teach, right, that I teach personally, uh, their kids or the kids that other teachers from my school, they teach, they understand that. They understand the benefit of the music and how much it brings into their future, how music will incorporate in their world. Not just to be able to go to the concert. And to understand at least a little bit what's going on on the stage, how to listen to music, what to try to hear there, but also how to use that later in your life. Or maybe even right now, right? Because that's that keeps you very, very concentrated and helps you to be very organized. So it lots of different aspects. I guess I'll, I'll just give the Stephen t- time to talk because yeah. I can do that for hours.
0: So you, you've worked with a you've worked with a lot of young kids. With what you're saying, have you experienced that? Like a student, have you seen? Because you 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 say you, you, you've you've um, taken them from like young, very very young age to to now in high school. Have you seen their development in school and their progress in school? also match it. Have you ever had a student that was struggling in school that's actually done better after studying music because of all of the things that you're saying?
2: Oh, I believe so. I believe so because uh, I think it goes mostly for math and languages. Mm -hmm. I think it helps tremendously with being logical, to reason more, and to understand how to put things, you know, to separate them in parts first and then put them back together, which lots of problems in math, how do we usually do, right? We separate them in parts and then bring it all to one part. That music helps a lot with that. That's awesome. That ability to reason and to separate and then put it back together. So, and for languages, obviously, because as we said, and you repeated many times and everybody understand that music itself is a separate language, right? And by learning, by bringing the child to be able to listen Mm -hmm. and not only to listen but to hear to hear himself or to hear people around the child Mm -hmm. that tunes their ear so much that they of course they develop good ear Mm -hmm. and they are much better into languages i think it's it's I would say probably these two subjects the most.
0: Yeah, definitely, and probably the small motor skills, especially if you're starting a kid young. You know, for writing and coloring and art. You know, if you're if you're making them use fine motor skills for piano and and violin, I'm I'm guessing that they would also have more dexterity and control um, of those fine motor movements. In addition to the whole brain thing, which is which is also awesome. Um, yeah, I'll give Stephen a chance to talk in a second. As you were talking, I was thinking, you know, about. The developments of some of my students and the the surprising things, you know, so, so not just the musical things is like, I remember having an adult student and we measured success by how her COPD got better, you know, literally the breathing, the lungs got better because of, of using the, the wind into the instrument, um, I once had a student um she she has done stop taking with me but she was she turned 90 and she was doing the instrument to just keep she started in her 70s which was already amazing like you know and 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 kept through it but the reason she started in her 70s was to develop better mental cognition and to be able to, um, maintain your, your brain. And I always told her, and I will always remember this, that you are an inspiration because we're, we're musicians and doing music continues that. But I think doing something new as an adult or new as a child invokes that, that dual, um, you know, brain relationship that Irina was talking about, how that you can, you can use both sides of your brain and to develop a strength. It's like a muscle, you know, your brain is a muscle. you if you don't use it um, in different ways, it doesn't have the potential to reach heights. And I remember watching a documentary, I think we only know what, like 10% of the brain, like, you know, it's like, it's, it's almost like, you know, um, you know, the, an uncharted territory. And, and we know that music helps with that process. So it goes much more than just learning Beethoven or Bach, you know? Yeah. Stephen, what do you have to say? I'm sure you have less to say. <laughs> Always. <laughs> but but
1: on, on this point, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a fascinating subject for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very big into seeing, you know, especially the little ones, grow into something, you know, I I have um several students that I've taught for about 10 years. So I've seen them from age five, now they're 15, 16, and it's incredible what where they've gone. And um I do believe that without the music, I don't think they would have gotten to where they are. Um, uh, They're very uh very fun to talk to. You know, I can I can hold a very what I would consider adult conversation with them, a very mature conversation. And What I love about music is that it seems to interest us in everything else. You know, there's so much that music leads to, you know, like Irina was saying, there's there's mathematics and there's, you know, systems, logical systems, there's languages, everything comes from music. And I think if you study music, you start to appreciate all those other things and say, oh, well, I want to look at that and I want to look at that and I want to, you know, try that out. Um, And uh, just a, a quick anecdote. Uh, one of my students uh, made it into Princeton. Uh, very very brilliant kid, this one. He made it into Princeton, and he told me that at Princeton, in the physics department, you have to, you are required to play music. And I thought, I love this place. I want to go there too, because that to be, you know, and, and he said what they, they were really taking this, uh, you know, idea that when you play music, it opens up your brain. It says, you know, here's all this, you know, the two sides working together and there's there's some kind of a synergy that can happen there that will then create something new. And that's kind of what physicists do. You know, they're dealing with these crazy things we can't really get our head around. So when they play the music, they, you know, they can, they can definitely probably find some new things. So I, I love that. About yeah. about music and what we do, um, and I do feel uh, you know w- when I was going to school, my um, cello teacher in college uh, was the one who got me started teaching, and she had this saying when we were we were basically being trained how to teach little ones. You know, I remember at first I didn't know what to do with any. You know, I'm trying to tell them in my you know grown up language how to play this instrument, and it was very difficult at first, but she left me with this one thought, which was, she said, don't worry so much about the exact thing you said or all of that. Just make sure that your student leaves the lesson with a bigger smile than they came in. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Make sure that they, you know, they're leaving feeling energized and they're Mm -hmm. leaving feeling, you know, like I want to do more of this and, 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 you know, I'm going to do more of this, you know, and I've, I've always kind of liked that idea, you know, okay, yeah, so I love that that's idea. partly my job is to, to get you guys interested and engaged and, you know, really having fun.
0: That's awesome. I love that idea because that's like, what that's what we need right now, right? Is that, <laughs> that, that you know, we want to learn music and, and this, but, but we want to leave you leaving energized rather than fatigued, you know, the zoom fatigue that everyone is talking about, you know, that you leave a lesson energized about your, your upcoming week, because we all need that energy. So I love that the smile is, <laughs> smile is probably one of the best indicators of, of progress. Um, then, you know, so, so, cause the mood is, is very much like that. And to, you know, I would, one way I measure success is that, their, their willingness to do performances. Um, It's not the only thing, because that's not for, for everyone. I have some adult students that their intention is not to perform. That's fine. But like, you know, the idea of a shy student that comes to you, and over the course of working with you now has the confidence to perform. And the, the understanding that it's okay to fail, it's okay to have mistakes, it's not really failure. But you know, at least that that takes courage, courage to like go on stage and and have the possibility of not being perfect, because life isn't perfect, life is not perfect at all. And I, I have hopes, I don't get to see them at all their academic and other outside performances. But as we know, public speaking is the number one fear amongst adults, right? So if you can get them up on a stage, and doing a performance with being and being okay, making a mistake or two and not beating themselves up, you know, because they they didn't do perfectly. um, Then that's a serious progress, you know, that you could you could measure. So um, and Music is, is continuing to go on. We're, um, I work with Steven. We have these um, online recitals, which is great. But kids can perform out their window. They can perform, um, and, you know, um, for other family members on Zoom, just seeing anything. I love when I get students pictures like that. You know, I'm thinking of one student that sent me a picture of her performing for her class, you know, for a holiday um, thing. That was a major success. That to me is like, you know. Awesome! Like I, that gives me such energy as a teacher that we've made progress. That's that's outside of the method book repertoire that we're doing. That's that's almost more important, I think. You know, that the getting so that they can connect to the music and share with others and feel good about that experience. So that's that's really awesome. Well, I'm keeping an eye on our time here, and I think it's about time to wrap up. So I want to give you. Um, each a chance to tell people where to find you. Um, and when you do, I will make sure to note this in the program notes. So if you're not, if you're out walking or, or doing anything, and you don't have this, just check on the episode notes, I will link all of this to, um, to them so that you can look up Irina and Steven, Steven, where can people find you if they would like to learn more or take lessons?
1: Sure. Uh, you could uh, look at the Contra Costa Music Guild dot com. That's one place you could find me. And the other would be the Center for Community Arts in Walnut Creek. And both have a, a websites. The Contra Costa uh, Music Guild is simply Contra Costa Music Guild dot com. And then the um, community arts is arts dot ed. Uh, wait, arts dash ed dot org. <laughs>
0: Great. And you're teaching online and well, just online right now. We're in California. so Yes. All online, online right, right, now. right now. Yes. Irina, where can people find you? Uh, first of all, I'm going to say thank you so much
2: for having me because it's a great opportunity to speak up and to talk about things. Right. It's, it was great. Great experience. I love it. So um, the iPlay Play Music School is located in Chicago. It's based in Chicago, but obviously we'll offer music music lessons online, um, nationwide and worldwide, because we have students in different countries as well, not only within the United States. So the website for that will be iPlayMusic.school, which is, <laughs> I hope, very easy to remember, right? So and as Monica said, it's going to be uh, somewhere in the, chat that where people can find it. So I really hope that uh, we could say something positive and say something useful for the future learners or for the people who already have something to do with music. So thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. This was a great conversation. So, you know, um, being an artist and being a teacher, it's it's um, more about just the music. That I think that that's what we talked about today. It is really about the art of having conversation and having, being open to dialogue, being open to the individual learner um, that we encounter on a day-to-day basis. So this was a great conversation. Um, So if you liked today's episode, please like, share, subscribe, and review. That would help us um, get more visibility out to more musicians and teachers that could use conversations like this. And until next week, bye-bye.